0: To have you here tonight, let's uh, let's turn once again to Leviticus 23. As you are doing that, um, I wanted to ask you to keep something in prayer. I think uh, tomorrow is a uh, uh, an event that's taking place in schools where Christian kids are are, uh, are being asked to take their Bibles. I think it's called "Bring Your Bible." Uh, to school i guess i forgot the name senior moment again here but it's but it's something that we should pray that our kids here as well as every believing young person that goes to a public school will just take their bibles with them and, you know read it share it and uh, and live it and so uh let's let's really pray for especially our young kids that uh, know about it, and I, I hope we'll, we'll be doing that tomorrow. Let's pray for them. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity these kids have to share the love of Jesus Christ, who, not just by carrying their Bibles, but by living their Bibles amongst their classmates and, and all those around them. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things, Lord God, that we, we should never be ashamed to take a stand on, and that's uh, something that even we ourselves Need to remember. So we, we pray for our kids and, and all the high school kids that will be going to schools with their Bibles tomorrow. Father, bl- protect them and encourage them and use them and uh, and Lord, just bring joy to their hearts that, uh, that they're doing something that, that is going to be honoring to you as we see the day of Christ approaching more and more. And so help us tonight as well as we study your word to rightly divide it and to learn and to grow and understand it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Feast of Trumpets. This is a trumpet. You ever seen that? It's a shofar. It's actually a small one. I wish I had one of the longer. This is a ram's horn. And uh, uh, the longer ones that usually come out about this long, they're a little bit more curved. It's called a Yemenite uh, uh, shofar; those are uh, antelope horns, actually, and some people use them uh, on the Day of Trumpets. This one has—it's uh, a little temperamental. I was practicing with it a little earlier. Yeah, see, it's really temperamental. Maybe it's me. Here it comes. Give me another five minutes, and we'll get it. Sometimes they have little. Uh, don't put me up yet. There's there's four different blasts, and I have. If I can't get the one long one, I can't get the other ones either. <laughs> Yeah, boof. <laughs> Some of that stuff out of there. All right. Sometimes it sounds okay. Sometimes it sounds like that. Anyway, Feast of Trumpets. That's a shofar. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. Uh, this is our second night looking at the Feast of Trumpets, and I kept thinking the more I kept putting down and, and getting ready to to share with you, the more I realized. We have to probably go a third week. I think I'm not sure. We'll see. We got enough to do tonight, so let's let's do that. Turn to Leviticus 23, and once again, this is the uh, this is the fifth feast that is pointed out to us in Leviticus 23. The first three, of course, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits were the were the spring feasts. Uh, Passover. I'm sorry. Um, Pentecost was the, uh, was the summer feast, and then a few months, and then come the fall feast, and this is the first of the fall feast. I want you to remember that being the fifth feast, uh, using the numbering system of the scriptures, five is a number for grace. So, this is a very, very important aspect of, of the fifth feast of Israel. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, Shall you have a Sabbath, or a seven, uh, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation? Uh, you shall do no, no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Last week I said that's all you get when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets. And that's what you have to kind of understand about it. We don't know a lot about it. And uh, so we reread another verse in Le- Leviticus, I'm sorry, in Numbers 29, that coincides with this, but I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 10 because in Numbers chapter 10 there are some other uh, trumpets that are mentioned, two trumpets in particular. Uh, there are two silver trumpets that are mentioned here and, and they play a, a, a major role in the day of trumpets or I should say in Yom Teruah, the, the, uh, the day of the, of the awakening blast. And uh, so we're going to read this part and then come back to it, uh, a few verses of it a little later. Numbers chapter 10, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. That, it, uh, that in itself, uh, trumpets of silver is in the, in the Hebrew, katzot serah. Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly." Take note of that, calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. So it was more than just gathering everyone together for something, uh, and you'll see in just a moment what uh, else they were used for. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but with one trumpet, in other words, when both trumpets blow, they all are supposed to gather. That's the point here. Now, he gives some other instructions. He says, If they blow but with one trumpet, then the princes which are heads of the thousands of Israel shall gather themselves unto thee. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east part shall go forward. The alarm is actually the the sound I was mentioning to you, the kind of sound that you would normally hear. Uh, They would recognize that sound, and then they would do this particular thing. Uh, When you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps shall... Uh, that uh, lie on the south side shall take their journey, they shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. So that, again, brings brings it back to two trumpets blowing at the same time to gather everyone together. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Now please keep that in mind, because it's something that is to be kept forever not just for the Jewish people or the Israelites in the wilderness. So anytime you see that that's significant. Does that come into effect for the church as well? Well that's what we're going to see tonight. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. Again two trumpets blowing what happens? You know, there's war going to be happening, but you're going to be saved. Keep that in mind. And then verse 10, also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginning of your months, you shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. So In our previous study on the Feast of Trumpets, we looked at a few names by which this feast is called. We looked at Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. That's what Rosh Hashanah means, the head of the year. Uh, This same day, in other words, the day of the Feast of Trumpets is what it's called, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not used in the scriptures, though. It's it's a name that was uh, used by the people, but not found in scripture. Yom Teru'ah is the day of the awakening blast. Teru'ah is really a sound, but uh, most of the Jewish uh, scholars and writers and rabbis apply the shofar to that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. The day of the awakening blast. And then there's Yom Hatzikaron, the day of remembrance. Uh, This one would take uh, another whole uh, study in itself. But it is also uh, a name that is used on the day of trumpets. Yom uh, HaKese, which we focused upon a little bit last week, the day of hiding or the hidden day. So we focused our attention on why the feast is such a mystery from this name, Yom HaKese, the hidden day. Uh, and considered that the hidden nature of the day was to encourage the need for searching such mysteries out. In other words, if there's something to search out, we, we are, are to search it out. And certainly that is something that is uh, kind of put out as a challenge from this because, you know, when you look at Passover, it gives us so many details about what you're supposed to do. Uh, unleavened bread, uh, first fruits, what you're supposed to do at, Pas- at, uh, at Pentecost, in other words, the feast of weeks, uh, the kinds of offerings you're supposed to give and so on and so forth. And then we get to this one, and there's nothing but blowing of trumpets. So we establish that this feast along with the other fall feasts, in other words uh, Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, all three of these last feasts uh, of the fall feasts point to the second coming of Jesus Christ as well as the completing of the seven years of judgment left for the nation of Israel. So. The blast is given, then begins the time of judgment. Now, to the children of Israel, before great judgments would come, they were given to focus their attention upon where they were with God. And if they were far from God, they needed to return to God. So Rosh Hashanah is considered the Jewish New Year's Day, observed on the first two days of the month month of Tishri, marking the beginning of the 10 day period of prayer notice, prayer, self-examination and repentance. Prayer, self-examination and repentance. Now, the theme of the Jewish High Holidays, which are by the way uh, these three, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah um, Yom Kippur and uh, Sukkot these three have this theme. That is, they're called the season of teshuva. Teshuva, T-E-S-H-U-V-A-H. The season of Teshuvah, which means turning back to God. It just means turning back to God. And the focus is upon repentance. Now, I had mentioned last time that in the previous month of Elul, which is the sixth month, a trumpet was blown every day to warn the people to turn back to God except the 30th day, which was silent. The people focused then on David's great psalm of repentance. This is what they focused upon. Psalm 51, verse 1. In Psalm 51, verse 1, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now most of us know that this was the psalm of repentance by David after he had committed the great sin uh, with Bathsheba. And uh, this is what they would focus and begin their focus of repentance with. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your great love. Your faithful love, literally, loving kindness is faithful love. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. In other words, forgive me. This is the cry. This is the 10-day focus of their lives every year. And leading up to that were trumpets. So, as I mentioned earlier, there, were four, there are four primary types of, of shofar blasts. I'm not going to do them today because this is a little temperamental, okay? So we're, you know, but anyway, uh, bear with me as these types of shofar blasts will be significant to our connecting the Feast of Trumpets to the rapture of the church. So the first one is called tekiah, the first blast, or if you want to call it the first trumpet, the first trump, tekiah, a long single blast. Okay, I'd rather do it than try this again because it was just not cooperating. So it's kind of a long single blast. But usually that was also the sound that was used for the king's coronation or to uh, recognize and celebrate the king. In this case, of course, the king is Messiah Jesus. But uh, that's for us. But uh, again, it's, 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 it's to honor and to sound this, this blast for the king's coronation. In other words, it's to remember that God is God and there is a God and he's king. The second blast that was taken and done, the second type of blast, was called Shevarim. Shevarim three short whale like blasts. <laughs> and and they were it was it was to be kind of recognized as as kind of a a a cry a cry of repentance a cry from the heart for having for having offended god in other words and so that was to remind them of their sin and their need to bring you know to turn back to god Then comes the teruah. Now this is again a sound; it is a blast, 'ah. teruah. Nine staccato blasts of alarm. So now this is kind of of an alarm to be alert, to be awake. So it could either be nine straight, you know, three three sets of three, you know, some some kind of sound of that nature. With with the uh, shofar, and uh, and then the fourth, and this is what this would be called the last trump. Okay, so you guys understand where we're going with that. We we talked about the last trump mentioned by Paul in First Thessalonians. I mean in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Uh, this is called the tekiah hagodolah. Tekiah hagodolah, a great long blast. It was a long blast, and it got louder. And, it, and you, you held it as long as you could. But it was to get louder and louder and louder. That's significant when you see this at the very end of our study. So I have to get all those out. Because these were, in, these were important. You see, if there's a mystery involved, people are trying to figure this mystery out. So one of the most influential Torah scholars of the Middle Ages, lived in the 12th century, His name was Moshe ben Maimon. Moshe ben Maimon. He was actually a Spanish Sephardic Jew. And he was known and has been known by his Latin name, Maimonides. Or Maimonides. Or Maimonides. (laughs) Maimonides. There you go. Something like that. Anyway, however however it was pronounced, he became very famous and popular for the, for the uh, writings that he had. He was a philosopher, a Jewish philosopher. But he wrote these, uh, he wrote this, I should say, about listening to the shofar blast because he actually pointed out some things that no one had really ever listened to before. And this is what he wrote. He said, there is a hidden message right there. Right there. It sounds kind of like he's really digging to see what this feast was all about. He said, there is a hidden message we are supposed to infer by listening to the shofar. It suggests to say, sleeping ones, awaken from your sleep. Slumbering ones, awaken from your slumber. Examine your deeds, remember your creator, and do teshuvah, do repentance. Do this time that you have to turn back to God. Do that. And we say, wow, that's that's pretty neat to kind of look at it that way. But this very same idea was echoed not into the future, but hundreds of years earlier in the writings that we find in the New Testament. It was something that was already known by people like the Apostle Paul who was a tremendous Greek, I should say a tremendous Hebrew scholar, a tremendous scholar of the Torah. As a matter of fact, if you study Paul's writings very carefully from all of his letters, you realize much of what he bases, what he writes upon, of course, is from the Torah because he was Jewish and he knew that this was to have the connection that it needed to have Plus the fact that he was anointed by the Spirit of God to do what he was writing. That keeps us tied to the Old Testament or it keeps us tied to the Hebrew Scriptures. Because that was their first Bible. That was the whole Bible that they had. So listen to, listen to the Apostle Paul's writings in Ephesians 5 verses 11 through 16. I want you to notice certain words that are being stated. Paul says in Ephesians five eleven, he says, "...and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them." Two things, don't have any fellowship with unfruitful works, in other words, don't, don't be in, in, in the area of sin, don't be swallowed up by sin, or, which is darkness, darkness being exactly what we talked about last week, the importance of darkness, in other words, going from darkness to light. That's the importance of Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, going from darkness to light. And then he says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Speaking again of the sins that he says you need to stay away from. And then he says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth, I'm sorry, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. So again, from darkness to light. Now we're people of the light and we're in the light and we need to respect the light that has been given to us and begin to do what is... To be done in the light, so he says. Wherefore he saith, "Awaketh thou that sleepest, awake, sleepy heads, awake, and arise from the dead." By the way, and I, I'm trying to remember if I mentioned this last week or not. But the the, the day Rosh Hashanah was also the day uh, to you know to remember that there will be a resurrection, that there is going to be a resurrection of, of, the, of the faithful. So that was another thing that, uh, that is important of the day. He says, Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Again, look at all of the signposts that Paul is giving in this statement. And then he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, walk carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the day's... Are evil. Now, did the Jews ever live in evil days? They lived in evil days from the day they they became Jews, from the days that they, they became a nation. It was always around them, and so this is not to be seen as just well. That's just for us. No, they've been going through it for thousands of years. And then let's look at um, let's look at Romans chapter thirteen. Paul again says, in that knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Paul's not writing this just uh, kind of like thinking of things to say. He has a a specific thought in mind. He says that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, the coming of the Lord is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. Notice the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. What did you do after the trumpet blast? For ten days you went into prayer and into fasting and, and also into repentance. And you considered these things. You cast off the works of darkness. And, and he says, let us put on the armor of light. Again, very very important words that Paul is giving here. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. In other words, those were the very same things that they were to avoid while they were going through this time of turning back to God. And, uh, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. But it wasn't just the Apostle Paul. You could go back a little bit further in history there, just not, not long, but just to Jesus himself. Well back to what Jesus said at times, and he, says, he said a lot of things, but in light of this particular passage, he said this in John 11 verses 7 through 11, and he said, then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea, uh, to Judea uh, I'm sorry, into Judea again, his disciples said, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou there again? In other words, you want to go back to Judea? They've been trying to stone you ever since. Remember we're in chapter 5 on Sunday morning, and, and the, the, uh, uh, you know, the persecution has already begun, and it's just growing. So by the time chapter 11 comes along, he's really been chased after by these uh, religionists. So they say, you want to go there again? After they've already tried to stone you. And Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. So now you can kind of see a little bit of, 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 the, uh, of the symbolism here in Jesus' words. But then he said, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And we know what happened to Lazarus. He was actually dead. They thought he was just, you know, kind of sick, and they said, well, if he's going to wake out of sleep, that's a good thing. But Jesus already knew he was going to die, and he was going to, you know, be dead when he got there. So now he was going to be able to show everyone there that he was, in fact, the resurrection and the life. And he would speak with his voice, the voice of a trumpet, the voice of God and Lazarus would rise from the dead as a picture of what was going to take place for every believer. So those are just some of the examples that we see of the reasoning behind all of these things that are taking place that are going to affect not only the Jewish believers but it's going to affect uh, the Gentile believers as well. So we're not going to try to determine which type of trumpet is used for Yom Teruah, whether it's a shofar or a katsotsera, which is, of course, again, the silver trumpet of Numbers 10. Except to say that their usage does carry much symbolism that applies to the continued searching out of the mystery. Two trumpets used and the sound, sounds they make, for example, are, are very important. And we, again, we're going to see that as we go along. But uh, various sects of the Jewish faith, uh, for example, primarily the, the Orthodox groups, uh, they favor, some of them favor shofar, some of them favor the, uh, uh, the silver trumpets. As a matter of fact, those of you who've been to the, uh, to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, those of you who've been to Israel with us, uh, when we go there, they already have the trumpets already made for the, uh, for the rebuilding of the temple. And they're beautiful silver trumpets that uh, they have there. Uh, so uh, they've they've already done that much. So anyway, with all that in mind, where where are we where are we prophetically, as far as God's calendar is concerned? Where are we prophetically? Because we've already talked a little bit as much as we can about what the, the day was about, and you know, we don't know a whole lot yet. But we're we're building. You see, we're building a search, uh, a search and build. Uh, mentality here. So where are we today? Well, today we're living in a time that is called the dispensation of the grace of God. The dispensation of the grace of God. Now, another name for that, very simply, is the church age. The church age still continues to this day. We're still in the church age even even if much of the church today has kind of fallen away from the truth, fallen away from the Word of God, going in various directions, uh, depending upon traditions of man more than, than the, uh, more than the Word of God. Nonetheless, there's still a, a remnant of believers who love the Word of God, who stand upon the Word of God, and believe that the Word of God is telling us that Jesus Christ can come at any moment. So, we're living in, still in that time because we still have the mandate given to us to go and, and preach the gospel to every nation, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's still something that we as believers are, are doing. So we're still in this time of grace or the dispensation of grace. Now Paul gives uh, this time a different name, a little, little bit of a different name. In Romans 11, verse 25, Paul says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now I want you to, again to see certain words that I've been using the last couple of weeks about this particular feast, Feast of Trumpets. It's a mystery. We call it the mystery of the hidden day. And, and Paul again uses certain words to get us to focus our attention on what's going on. He says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Now, there's something else that you have to remember. Chapters 9 through 11 of the book of Romans is all about Israel. It's all about Israel, God's people, that He hasn't forsaken them, He hasn't rejected them, and, and they're, still, they're, they're still important in, in prophetic, uh, uh, the prophetic timeline. So, He says, lest you should be wise in your own conceit. that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. The fullness of the Gentiles. That's the name. That's another name for the time in which we live. When the fullness of the Gentiles is up, then for seven years God is going to concentrate His chastisement upon Israel for seven more years. The last seven years that they have to go through their their, uh, uh, discipline, chastisement, Uh, for having broken the Sabbath law. And if you've been with us in in Revelation or in in the book of Daniel, you, you know what we're talking about there. Jesus also gave another name to the time in which we live. And that's in Luke 21, verse 24. He says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So that's another name. So you have the dispensation of the grace of God, you have the church age, you have the uh, time of the Gentiles, you have the fullness of the Gentiles. In any case, whatever it may be, the time in which we live is a time of God's grace in which He's extending His mercy to the people of the earth through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why it is still important for us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some might say this, they say, you know, the world has really gotten into a really terrible mess. I mean, it's only getting worse, it's getting worse, and our own nation that once was a beam of light to the world has now grown terribly dim and is more of a, a bastion of sin than it is of morality and, and righteousness. Well, it, that's true. That's true. We, we, we have a, we're living today in a, in a nation that is, for, that is from the top forsaking God. And forsaking the God of Israel. And forsaking the God of the Bible. Forsaking the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Forsaking Jesus Christ himself. Forsaking the word of God. That's that's this nation today. Nonetheless, we are still living in a dispensation of God's grace. We're still here. We still love Jesus. We still serve him. We're still called to serve him. We're still called to go out into the highways and the byways. We're still called to go into every nation to tell people about Jesus. So the, the word dispensation, when I, when I mention that word, it's not only a theological term. And by the way, the word dispensation, it wasn't created by some theologian. The word dispensation, in fact, is found in Scripture. In the Greek, the word dispensation is the word oikonomia. Oikonomia. O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A. Oikonomia. Sounds like a word in English, doesn't it? Sounds like the word economy, because that's, what, that's where we get our word economy from. And the word oikonomia in the Greek literally means a caring for and a managing of an estate. The caring for and the managing of an estate, in this case, God's estate, which is the church. So any management of the church, if he's given that to us, what has he given to us? He's given us a stewardship. We are stewards of God and of Christ to care for the church of Jesus Christ, to watch over it, to do what we need to do to get it through this time of of grace. Of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, no, no doubt. Of course, with the help of the Word of God, no doubt. But nonetheless, he's commended that to us. Listen, listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 10. He says, again, having made known unto us the mystery, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, there's that word. And it's the Greek word oikonomia, that in the dispensation or the oikonomia of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. And then, a couple of chapters later in Ephesians chapter 3, he would use the word again. He says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, in other words, it was given to me to pass on to you, how that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. So, again, you know, it's, it's, it's revealing that mystery that links us together with the scriptures, the holy scriptures. It links us together with the Hebrew scriptures. It links us together with Israel. It's even in the book of, of uh, Ephesians that we learn that we are grafted in to Israel. And that's not a little thing to consider. So, so many people in the church today don't consider that important. Because what they do is they say, well, we've replaced Israel. No, we haven't. We haven't replaced Israel. You read again Romans 9 through 11, and you read again these passages in Ephesians where it says that we, you know, he's, he's torn down the walls of partition so the two become one. That doesn't mean, that doesn't say that uh, Israel is, is forsaken or, or rejected by God, does it? Not at all. So Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verses 25 through, uh, oh, one more, or did I go backwards? no whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Okay, part of the mystery is the bringing together of the church and the, the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel and the people of Israel as one. All right, so Colossians one twenty five says, Wherefore, or whereof, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, there's the word again, okonomia, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, to fulfill it. So there's got to be a completion of this oikonomia. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All of this is certainly a part of that, this dispensation which we're in. So... When this dispensation of time is fulfilled, then will come the blast of the trumpet. When this dispensation is fulfilled, then comes the blast of the trumpet, the teruah, the awakening blast. And I'll give you one quick reason why, there are many. But let me give you one reason, because it's tied to our study of the of the feasts of Israel. Everything has happened in its time. Passover, fulfilled by Jesus, the Lamb of God. Unleavened bread. Jesus, dead and buried. First fruits, Jesus, risen from the dead. A little time passes Pentecost and the church is born. The harvest, in other words. The harvest, the church, begins. The church is filled with the Holy Spirit. That began the day or the dispensation of the day of grace. That's when it began. So, when does it end? Why is there such a long distance between uh, relatively long distance at least in months when you talk about months uh, between Pentecost and the next feast which is trumpets. All of these have happened in succession and in order which means what is the next feast to take place? Trumpets. Therefore, when this, is, when this dispensation of time is over then comes the blast of the shofar, then comes the, the awakening blast, the sound, let's go ahead and turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4 now, First Thessalonians chapter 4, we left off with this, I gave you those scriptures to say this is what we're going to pick up, so now we're picking up, and I got to really fly now, okay, so uh, be really quick with your notes and, and, and stuff, First Thessalonians 4 verses 16 through 18, First of all, Paul warns before this and says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about what's happening here in these days. I want you to be ignorant about what's happening. There there were so many different ideas and thoughts about what was going on. And uh, so Paul is just trying to encourage them. He says, "Uh, uh, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. In other words, those that have already died in Christ. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So he's already encouraging them, see, but but here he says, for the Lord himself, and this is what we want to look at, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I've underlined that word because you'll see in just a moment that that word is tied to the word teruah. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump. The trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Whoops. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. To meet the Lord in the air, but not just in the air. Not kind of like, well, we'll just kind of be like the, you know, the uh, balloon festival, you know. We just kind of meet up in the air. No, uh, yeah, we're going to meet in the air, but there's a specific place that we're going to meet. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, there is a place we're going to go. And then he it, it says in verse 18, comfort one another with these words. Paul has been teaching them this long before he was writing these words down as, as, as part of our canon of Scripture now. He was teaching them the Old Testament because that's what they had to teach them about the coming of the Lord. So to hear the words Trump there, or the Trump of God, the sound, which was the sound, teruah, of of joy on the day of the sounding blast. We are now given here a picture, a perfect picture of the holy day of regathering of the believers in Messiah, the believers in Christ, Messiah. Not surprisingly, the signal of the gathering will be the sound of the Shofar. Or katzotzerah, katzotzerah, the silver trumpets. In fact, the reference uh, here, as I mentioned earlier, is to a particular note sounded at Yom Teruah. The particular blast, Teruah, that is normally translated here in verse 16 as shout. Connected going back to the Hebrew, it's the same word. And it comes from the Hebrew word teruah, better translated in this context as the alarm blast, the awakening blast of the shofar. The same reference can be found in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go there. So now when we look at 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to begin at verse 50, and the reason is because we have to set up what is going to be said here in just a moment. For Paul says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, he says, I show you a mystery. So now he says, now here's a mystery, but it's going to be revealed. Yom Hakese is a mystery, but it's being revealed. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed." In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when, at the last trump, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. We shall be changed. Changed completely. Transformed from mortal to immortal, from corrupt to incorruptible. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on uh, immortality. Please forgive me on that. Must put on immortality. Folks, listen. What were the 10 days after the blast about? Turning back to God. God. Their lives had been lived once they were in the world and they saw the things of the world and they went after the things of the world and God had to put them into captivity and put them under slavery and all kinds of stuff. They would keep coming back. God says, you've got to come back to me. But they were learning that in their own flesh they couldn't do it. They needed to trust God There's one other place where this link between sound and the sound of the trumpet is important. And that's Revelation chapter 4. So turn to Revelation 4 and look at this. Boy, I'm running out of time here, but I'm going I'm to do my best. We're going to finish tonight, at least this part. Uh, okay, all of this has been important to link together. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. Remember that. There have been two chapters devoted to Jesus' message to the church. The seven churches. Seven churches of Asia Minor. But now, beginning of chapter four, Paul, uh, David, I'm sorry, John says, after this I looked, and behold a door. Y'all see that? Can you, can you read it? Because it's I know it's kind of small, but. Uh, I didn't want to have to split up this, this verse. A door. Y'all see the door? All right. A door was opened in heaven. Now, what did I say earlier? You shall be caught up together with the dead and Christ who rise, and then we shall be caught up together with them, and we shall meet the Lord in the air, right? But, but not just, you know, floating around here and there a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up here. This is linked to the idea of being caught up by God To him, come up here and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. The next two verses he sees inside. And what does he see? He sees the throne of God. He sees all of the things that are precious and holy and just can be seen by anybody, just anybody. The door's open. Brings us to this thought of trumpets and regathering. Trumpets and regathering. Consider what happened when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to Sinai. When he finally gets them to Sinai. And Moses goes up to God. Up to God. You you see a little bit of a tie-in here? He goes up to God while the people await his return to them. The Lord sends Moses back to sanctify and to set those people apart. He says, You must go and sanctify these people. Now, turn, if you will, turn to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. I'm I'm not stopping, I'm I'm moving on here, so you've got to stay with me. Exodus 19. So he's gone up. God tells him to go and sanctify the people, set them apart. And It came to pass on the third day, Exodus 19 verse 16, it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. The voice of the trumpet so that all the people that was in the camp, they trembled because of what they heard and what they saw because of the lightnings and the thunder and then the voice of the the trumpet. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it with fire. In other words, it was just covered you know, with this, this smoke, which was really the, you know, this, this awesome presence of God. The smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. Read uh, Isaiah 6, when Isaiah is caught up into that vision of, of, the, of the temple, and he sees God and all, and what happens in there. And then in verse 19 it says, And when the voice of the trumpet sounded, and I want you to notice something, sounded long and waxed louder, which means it grew louder and louder. The last trump is what? Tekiyah ha'gadolah. The long blast, as long as it can be, And it gets louder and louder. Moses spake. And God answered him. By a voice. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai. On the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, And Moses went up. Just as John went up then, of course, you can read on about what takes place after this. But verse 19, the whole point of this is that verse 19 describes the, tum- the trumpet blast as sounding long and wax grew, or, uh, grew louder and louder and louder. That, again, is the blast of the last trump. That, again, is the blast of the tekiah on the feast of trumpets. 1 First, uh, First Corinthians 15, the same thing, the very same thing. At the last trump. This is not having to do with any of the trumpets of Revelation where it talks about the trumpet judgments. Not, not even close. And not even the Jews will believe that. They don't believe that. When they hear about trumpets of this nature, they're thinking of the feast of trumpets and the kinds of blasts that are blown to remind them of certain things. The first trump raises the dead. As I kind of laid it out last week. The first trump raises the dead, but we who are alive and are changed from mortal to immortal at the sound of of the last trump. There's the trump, and I said last week, if there's a last trump, there has to be a first trump. The awakening blast awakens the dead in Christ. The last trump, we are changed. We are changed. But it doesn't end there. It brings us back to Numbers chapter ten, because one thing that hasn't been mentioned is that silver, as I as I mentioned before, there's certain there's certain connections to all kinds of pictures in the scripture. Silver, actually the the metal silver, is the metal of redemption. It represents the redeemed and it represents the redemption that belongs to the redeemed. So I want you to consider something. If you go back to Numbers chapter 10 verses 1 through 3, and that's the only part we're going to look at because we read the first 10 verses there. But in Numbers 10 verse 1 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of of the assembly. The calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And when they shall blow with them all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door. Look at the word door. The door of the tabernacle of the congregation. At the door. The very same picture that we saw in Revelation. The door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So, going back, remember again, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, the door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was that, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. But the fact of the matter is, when we are called out by the last trump, And the dead in Christ shall rise first at the first drum, And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and to ever be with him. Comfort one another in these words. Where are we going to be? Just floating in the air? Or are we going to be at the door? We have a place now to go. The door of the tabernacle of meeting. The door into the very temple in heaven. Now think about this. Y'all, y'all have read Matthew 25 about the ten virgins. The ten virgins, they're ten virgins that were part of this wedding feast that was going to happen. Five of the five of the ten virgins, you know, they had their lamps filled with oil, and five didn't have any oil at all. So it came time when the bridegroom came that uh, you know these these uh, ten virgins, these ten virgins were supposed to respond and come you know you know there to be. Uh, assisting with the, uh, with the bride. We're told in Matthew 25, and Jesus tells us this in, in, in this in this picture he gives us. He says, And while they went to buy, in other words, because they said, Well, they asked the first five, they said, well, could, you, could you give us some of your own? They said, No, no, we, you know, we won't have enough. We, we, you guys have to go buy something and, and get your own oil. But hurry up because the bridegroom is near, the bridegroom's coming. So, while they were out buying, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. The door was shut. Who went in? The five virgins who were ready. The five virgins that had the oil. They were ready because they were already believers, in essence, filled with the Holy Spirit. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then I add to verse 13 on this slide here. Watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That's the warning. You need to be ready. Because the Lord can come at any moment. And when he comes the door will only be open to those who have heard the blast of the trumpet. The blast of the trumpet. Because seven years are coming upon which Israel must be judged so that that the Lord can purify them and bring them in to the kingdom along with uh, every believer that comes during that time of the seven-year tribulation. I thought about Noah, we're told in scriptures, we're living in the days of Noah today. Tremendous evil in this world. Noah preached, preacher of righteousness, probably preached over a hundred years. Built an ark. Door was wide open. The Door of the ark was wide open. But we're told in Genesis 7, 16, it says, in he says, and they that, that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. Now remember, there was only eight Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. That was it, of humans. Everybody else was just animals, but there was enough room for anybody else. And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh. I think that's significant that in the days of Noah it had to be very clear they went in male and female and then it says and the Lord shut him in the door was open and then they were gathered inside inside the tent of meeting and the Lord shut the door I think of the words of Jesus in John 10 verse 7 Jesus said Unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door. Does it make more sense now when Jesus says that? If we understand what he's been talking about all along, about all of these festivals and feasts that pertain to his, not just his first coming, but now his second coming, that pertain to his coming for his people, for his church, sounding the blast of the trumpet, and those who hear will gather. He says, "I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me if any man enter in, he shall go, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He'll be safe. He'll be saved," it says. He's the door. He's also the good shepherd. He's also the bread of life. So we've we've made more ground now in the Feast of Trumpets and still, and still we didn't get to the Jewish wedding ceremony which I wanted to do tonight. If you want to stay for another two hours we can do that. No, you probably don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm not sure we'll, we'll do that next week because we're going to move on to the next. But I might. Okay, so next week is, is a surprise. Whether we do a third week on the Feast of Trumpets or we just go ahead and go on to, to uh, the Yom Kippur because it's all important here. But I, I just want to give you every picture that you can to understand what is going on as we wait for the coming of Jesus. This is the reason again why listen why Jesus said let not your heart be troubled. John 14 let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so I would have told you. Many dwelling places well I think every dwelling place has a door. But the most important dwelling place is the one door that gets us into the whole of the dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you will be also. Not on earth. What is? We, we have no purpose, folks. We have, as a church, no purpose at all being on the earth during the tribulation period. No purpose. And even if you believe that we're going to be here, give me a purpose for it. We are not seen throughout any of the, of, of, the, of the prophecies that deal with the end times, especially the day of the Lord, the seven year. We are not given anything. We're not, even, we're not even seen, not even mentioned. God has his own purposes. And he had his purpose for us. We're still in that purpose. The time of the Gentiles. We're still in that purpose. The church is. We're still in that purpose. The dispensation of the fullness of times. We're still in that purpose. But when our job is done, when he considers that, he's just going to blow the trumpet. I don't think it'll look like this or even sound like it. (laughs) But it'll be a real pretty one. And it'll be long. And it'll be loud. And it'll only get louder. And then we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at Tekiyah HaGodola the last trump. You ready? I hope you are. Father, thank you for the opportunity once again to search out your scriptures. Lord, we We dug deep in a lot of areas tonight, so I pray, Father, that it will all make sense. I know that you've given us your perfect word to appreciate, to learn, to know, to understand. I pray also, Father God, that we will check our hearts each and every day as to where we are to be with you. Never to consider anything less or cheap or mundane about any of these issues. They're all important to us. You didn't give us so much, Lord God, that we would miss out on what your truth is. So we thank you for these connections. We thank you for all of this, uh, Lord, that picture upon picture that we can base, Lord, our understanding of your word upon Help us and continue to help us through these times as we look for the day of Christ because, Lord, we're living in very dangerous times. More dangerous now than ever before, but, Lord, greater are you that is in us than he that is in this world. So we're just thankful, so thankful to be your sons and your daughters, your children, your servants and your friends because you've made us that. It isn't what we've wanted to become. It's what you've made us to be so that we can be safe 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 with you, safe in your loving arms. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.